I want to be able to say in 2020, it is going to be an amazing, God-fearing, God-showing-up year. And I'm going for that. The Lord um, gave me a picture uh, this month. It was very interesting. I was praying. I said, Lord, I, I just don't feel like things are changing. And I'm praying so hard, I, I don't understand. And he said, well, you need to know this. I'm pulling for you. And I thought, you know what, uh, at first what came to my mind is, you know, when somebody's kind of like a cheerleader for you, they're pulling for you, they want you to win, they want it to be good for you. But then I, in that same kind of dialogue I was having with them, I saw a rope and the rope went into the fog out in the lake and I couldn't see the end of it, it was just foggy. But he, he said, I'm pulling for you. Then I got a better idea. I'm pulling a rope. I can't see what is on the end of that rope. But as I'm pulling it, I'm hearing him say, and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And he said, and if you believe that, when you get to the end of the rope, what's going to be there? Good. So I just want to encourage you as we're going into 2020, keep pulling your rope. He's pulling for you. He's, pull, I, you, he's helping us pull that rope when we can't. He's pulling it. But remember that it's going to be good. Pull in the good. Don't, don't let your faith wander. Don't start thinking it's not going to happen. I'm going, just let him pull for us this year. Is that fair? Yeah. And it's going to be good. So I just wanted to share that with you. Um, I'm excited because this is one of my favorite times of the year. Because you get through the advents of Christmas and I, and I love all the Advents. When I uh, was pastoring full-time, we would do the Advent liturgy each week, and then we'd come to this one, the first Sunday after Christmas, and it would be the visit of the Magi. Now, how many of you know that the Magi weren't there when the child was born with the cool shepherds? And I, it looks good on the little drummer boy, but in reality, it didn't go that way. But I mean... I'm not trying to dish the movie. It's a fun little movie. And I, you got to like drummers. But the truth of it, the Magi weren't there. They came anywhere after. It could have been a month. It could have been up to almost two years by the time the Magi actually show up. But this is that Sunday when we would look at these amazing individuals who left their country in search of a belief that God was going to come to earth in human form. That's what they did. And so the title of my message today is Better Together. It's that they were seeking him and they did it together. I'd like for you to uh, think of what it is that you might want to seek for in 2020. Now, a lot of us will do these what I call physical renewals. We'll say, I, I want a better, lean, mean, fighting machine Marty, you know. And I, and I kind of want that myself. Um, but most importantly, if we think of these wise men, they were looking for spiritual revival, not just physical renewal. I hope you're with me on this. And so when you're seeking things of an eternal nature, that changes the game. It completely changes the game. If you're looking for a physical renewal, you're looking about how much money you have in your budget to go to the training center. You're looking at how much time capacity you have to devote to the gym and exercise. You're looking at your diet to see the things that you will and you will not eat. This is already sounding awful. <laughs> but if you're looking for something bigger in terms of eternal timetable, a lot of that stuff is minuscule, friends. 
It's little. It's not big. Eternity is huge. We don't want to miss what's really going on here. The wise men, the magi, got it right. They knew the eternal time clock. And that's what I'm so uh, hopeful about because we as a people right now, we need to be aware of what's going on eternally and be in alignment with that. And when I say seeking him, I'm talking about seeking eternal life. And oh, by the way, just to let you know, he's already, he being God, hard-coded us to figure this one out. Because the Bible says that he put eternity in our hearts. It's at the very core of our existence. So I'm praying that today's message, this beautiful worship that we've had, the songs, by the way, just got completely in line. Because Lisa and I have been working on this tag team sermon for a week. We've met several times. And it's almost like you were with us the whole time picking the songs. And so those songs really set this up because I'm feeling very... Uh, courageous because of how well the music's in alignment with what we're going to be sharing. I'm trusting that as this message goes out today, that it'll have an eternal impact. It's not about, I don't even know a day of the week. I mean, oh, it's Sunday. Is it the 29th or whatever it is? I really could care less about that. The reality of it is eternity is going to hit in our very heart at the core of our existence like it's supposed to, like he meant for it all along. And in John 17, 3, you'll see one of the greatest uh, verses of all time. It's where Jesus says, do you know what eternal life is? He says, this is eternal life. And he stops for that just a little comma pause. And he says, this is what it is. Do we have it? He says, it is knowing the Father and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's eternal life. That's what this day's about. And so let's lean into that and lay hold of it. I want you to join with me now as we uh, move to the scripture. It's Matthew chapter 2. It's going to be 1 through 12. I'm doing 1 through 6. Lisa Boyd's going to do 7 through uh, 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 2 says, Now after... Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is amazing. I want to talk about some of the things we know about the wise men because there's a lot of traditions out there. Uh, What we know is that they had been studying scriptures for a long time to be able to come up with the understanding that there would be a Messiah born into the nation or the the people group of the Hebrews or the Jews, and that they were from the East, and that they were so in tune with what scripture was teaching that they knew the when and where to go. We also know that they must have had a faith element because they literally saw a star that aimed and pointed them in the right direction. And and this star was available, but there wasn't a whole lot of other people following the star. Are you with me? So something inside of them enabled them to see what others could not see. Well, just giving you a little bit of a hint. Uh, and, And again, sometimes we, well, who are these guys? Tradition says that there was one from India, one from Africa, and one from Persia that they had come together in Persia to study. And and that's very likely true tradition um, 
knows things sometimes that people forget. All right? But even if, if, if he wasn't from India, he wasn't from Africa, and he, they were all three from Persia, nobody knows for sure. What we do know is that they had been studying these ancient texts. Where did these texts come from? This is amazing. Do you remember when Daniel went into exile to Babylon? How many of you know that Babylon would be in Persia, right? That that's where he went. And remember when he went there that they, King Nebuchadnezzar set him aside because they saw a quality in him and his friends. And they said, okay, we want you to be a part of the star team. You're going to be a part of our magi, our wise men, who are going to be studying and giving direction and insight to me, the king, and our people. So they had started this school of sharp people. And Daniel was in that group. There were other people. When they conquered a country, the Persians were sharp. They took the best, the sharpest of those countries, brought them together, and made them collaborate, learn together, and teach the Persians. If you really knew what I'm saying right now, you'd really experience uh, an insight that tells us how we're really going to advance as a culture. Until we know how to come together and really seek together, we're not going to get there. But they'd been doing this for over 500 years. So the power of these magi is that their fathers and their forefathers all the way back had been studying. And they looked at it and they said, the time is now. I just find that incredibly powerful. And so here's all, can you see a school of people from India, a school of people from Africa, a school of people from the Far East, a school of people coming together and saying, what do you think? I'm not sure what are you seeing here? That's what took place. And then just at the right time, they had the faith in one another where one of them actually said, you know, let's quit looking at the text and look up for a moment and saw a star. And said, let's go after that. And so they went. And so one of the things I want us to catch about these wise men is not so much of who they were from where they were. Let's just say they were from all over the place. That's why we and my family live in Lakewood. Because when we're in Lakewood, we feel like we're a little bit from all over the place. <laughs> and, and you don't even know how serious I am about that. I don't want to live in a gated community with a whole bunch of people that look like me. I really don't. Because I don't think I'm going to see the star that way. I'm going to miss it. I'm looking to be in a community where there's young and old and rich and poor and black and white and male and female, right? I'm serious. And I value the collaborative experience that we can have. But if, if we don't really want that, if we close the door to that, I'm pretty convinced I'm going to miss a lot. And so I'm so grateful for the community that I live in. And oh, by the way, if you haven't bought land in Lakewood, I'm not a realtor, but I'd buy some now because we are killing it. And those property values are going to go up and up. So go buy your home in Lakewood as soon as you can. <laughs> so anyway, these uh, wise men, they were what I call generational uh, students of the word, and they were worshipers. If you see uh, in this passage, they came to worship. They were studying, but it wasn't, I'm studying so I can ask the Messiah to do something for me. I'm not seeking the Messiah for a job. I'm not seeking the Messiah for a pet. I'm not seeking the Messiah so that things can go my way. I'm seeking the Messiah because it's deeply 
embedded in me to worship him, to know him. And that was their driver. When that's our driver, that's good study. But that's what their study resulted in. If our study doesn't result in a desire to worship him, our study's not so good. They were successful and they were superior. And I know some of you struggle with that, but I'm telling you, they were superior. The Jews were missing it in their own country. Isn't that amazing? If anybody should have known it, they should have known it. They should have been sending out communication tablets. He's here. We've been waiting for him all these years. Come on. They didn't even know it. The Romans were so busy colonizing and dominating and taking other people over that they missed it. But three guys who had been studying with a heart to worship caught it. I love who they are. And that's successful in my eyes. Is that successful in yours? And again, just the fact that they were worshipers. I know that I'm in the right church when we start busting out. And Kevin, you're my model. I always look to you. Because as, as he's playing that bass, every now and then he's like this. But when he starts... When he starts, I just know he's feeling it, man. And I, when we come to worship, I hope we get to feel it. That we just get to feel him. Because when you feel him, when you sense him, there's a joy, there's a life that comes in us. And then all of a sudden, you know the job's going to come. You know that other person in your life's going to be restored in their real life. You just know all that stuff's going to happen because he's here. Salvation can't help to show up because he is salvation, right? And so that's, that's what I'm looking for. Then let's go to Matthew uh, 2, verses 3 through 6. Because you would think that now, as they show up in Jerusalem, it'd be a happy time. But look at this. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. So let's make sure we get this right. These are superior, successful people. They're not showing up on broken down donkeys. No, they are in Tesla Persian steeds. <laughs> Big, giant, beautiful black horses that are prancing with metal all ornated with them. They are on the biggest, baddest horses of the day. They're showing up and they're with an entourage. Are you with me? Man, they, they are coming prancing into that town. They're looking for the Messiah. And when you see, if you're in Jerusalem, and you see this kind of disruption coming into your town, you'd be a little bit troubled too, amen? So they're coming in, and again, I just don't want to miss it like they're out in the little desert with their little camels looking for a, a star and asking the drummer boy for help. That's not the way it went. They're coming in expecting that Herod knows his business. And they're coming up. Herod says, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people. Isn't that beautiful? 
I can sign up for a ruler who's going to shepherd me. I'm not looking so excited about signing up for a ruler who's going to dominate me and put me in my place. Okay, I'm in the right church, you guys. I know I hit the right thing. It's just that we're being reluctant. You know the difference between being shepherd and being dominated, amen? Come on. The heart of God is to shepherd us, to lead us to these beautiful pastures, to lead us to a place of life and success. That's what is in his heart. He's not here to put us in his place. He's not here to bring out our wrong list and say, sorry, you get coal in your stocking. He took our sins, all of our troubles, and he put them into some sea that's as far as the east from the west. He's coming into our life because he loves the fact that we're seeking him. And he's looking for a people who will not only seek him, but seek him together. You remember that the Lord was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Remember that? Yeah. But remember, he didn't stop there, and he pushed right through, and just to make sure you get this. And he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't really know the heart of God until you can lean into the heart of another. You cannot really know the heart of God until you lean into the heart of another person. We have to learn to give our hearts away to other people if we want to find the heart of God. Yeah. And, that, and that's what shepherds do. That's a shepherd thing. That's not a ruler thing, right? I, I'm so happy. I, it's so easy for me to love Jesus because when he came and he walked on the earth, can't you see that shepherd in everything that he did? He was just shepherding. He, he grabbed these ragamuffin misfits and he said, come on, walk through life with me. Give me three years and we'll turn this whole thing upside down. Well, how? Are you going to take over the Romans? Are you going to put the Jews in their place? No, we're just going to model what it really looks like. Let's, let's just be family. That's what he did. And sometimes it's interesting because I've spoken in churches of several thousand. I just, you know, got back from the Philippines getting to speak to several, several thousands. And it was hopping and amazing. And I've spoken in churches where there's uh, only about seven of us in a coffee shop. But when you come together seeking the Lord who's going to pour out his heart on you, and then you look around and find people you can pour your heart into, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. And I, I'm loving what I'm seeing today. I, I love reading because I think we have the right heart. And I'm grateful. Go ahead. You can clap for that. So uh, Herod, finding himself unsettled, got desperate and he sort of follows the Magi's example. I love this. Um, what he did is he said, we're troubled. What are we going to do? I, I love it. He said, let's gather the prophets together and ask questions. I want to suggest to those of us who live at this time right now, in this place in eternity, that if you feel kind of troubled about the stuff that's going on, because I'm feeling troubled, Maybe your eternal clock is accurate. Maybe you're seeing what's really going on. Because there's, there's some ugly stuff out there. I'm on the school board, and I never, I've been on the school board now for 14 years. At the beginning, we never had the stuff to deal with that we're dealing with now. 
just in 14 years. We're talking shootings. We're talking really hard, hard things happening to the lives of our children. If you can't see the time, if you don't feel a little bit troubled, you need to wake up. It's troubling. But the answer's here. The answer is when Messiah shows up, because he's a shepherd, he goes right after the troubled, the brokenhearted. We need to make sure Messiah is moving in our schools, in our families, and in our lives. Amen? So Herod, Herod figured this part out. We better gather together. Uh, making sure that we work together, we collaborate. And then he, he does another thing that's fascinating in this is he says, I want to inquire of you. Here's a great hint. Now, Herod got it wrong. He missed the Messiah. Uh, Lisa Boyd will be sharing some of this later. But he missed it. Even though he asked the right questions, he really wasn't wanting an answer of, of the people. He was just wanting enough information to go out and execute a plan. He was using people. If you really want to deal with trouble, can I tell you, don't use people. Gather them together, hear their insights, hear their stories, and just lean in. Lean in and understand it. Don't worry about who's right and wrong. There's enough right and wrong for everybody around that table. Lean in. Maybe everybody's right. Maybe your right will get bigger when you lean into somebody else's right. But lean in and ask questions. Don't lean in and tell people what they're feeling, what they need to do, right? How well is that working for us? That's the beauty of it. Well, there's a person uh, in my life that has modeled this to me uh, so well, and it's my wife. I've been married 36 years on January uh, second will be our 37th year, so I see her out there. And I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for my wife and my three daughters. I can't even um, tell you how far I've come. I've got a long ways to go. But I was not an inquirer. I was a commander. I mean, that in, most, in a lot of my life, the way I've gotten through things is I just toughed it out and I did what was right. I did what I needed to do. And if you were in my way, kind of bummer. <laughs> I know, it is sad. And uh, then all of a sudden, these women started coming into my life. And I was so convinced that it was going to be my way that when I married my wife, I said, I'd like to have five children. How many would you like to have? And she said, one. And so I said, well, can we uh, look at a concession, maybe have three? So, you know, we were kind of, well, that's the Lord's job to figure out, but at least we moved off of one. So anyway, and then I, I, I was so confident that my way would always be right. I said, and who's going to name them? Because I didn't want her to think that we were going to do it together, you know? <laughs> no, and she said, and she, she paused just long enough for me to say this. You get to name the girls and I get to name the boys. You want to know what my three daughters' names are? Just ask my wife. How cool is that? But that's the kind of person I was. If I could do a playback, I'd say, hey, Marcia, when the Lord gives us with children, let's really make sure we seek him together about the names, right? But anyway, ask questions. Don't dictate. It's really no fun. 
The Lord led us as a community, as a school board and a community to start this thing called CELT. And really, in some ways, Redeem has been a part of CELT. There's some people in Redeem that are on our community engagement leadership team where it's in our heart to build a healthier community out of the city of Lakewood with those people who are in uh, positions of uh, a sphere of influence and a, a sphere of reach. And one of those persons on that team is Lisa Boyd. Lisa also happens to have been the principal of Harrison Prep, the IB school, which is one of the top 100 schools of USA in the World Report. Is that amazing or what? Yes, in Lakewood. And so she was, she was the original principal uh, kind of tag teaming with another person, but then we gave that responsibility to her. She was there for years, did an amazing job. She's currently the principal out at Oak Brook. We're so grateful to have her in our school district and in our community. But her heart and her legacy is serving people. Uh, and she knows how to listen and she knows how to lead. So she's been an amazing part of CELT. And so I'm just so excited to be able to introduce to you uh, my sister in Christ, Lisa Boyd. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, I was so mad at myself for letting you talk me into this, but I am really happy right now. <laughs> like, Good. This message, because why? I'm glad you asked. It's because this message really, as I started getting into it, is all for me. I hope you get something from it too. Um, but the message from our wise men, I mean, he picked the scriptures and we were talking about it and told me you're going to take the second half. He started telling me about um, parts of it, and we just started talking, and we were on fire when we were talking about it. Um, one of the things that I would say is the word that keeps coming to me is, that kept coming to me was awkward. That it's really awkward what these wise men did. It's really awkward to step out in faith. And in 2020, it's even more awkward. Some of the things that God is calling us to do that don't fit our own paradigm. So we kind of went verse by verse um, talking about the different lessons that we were learning as we dug deep and just started talking about how does it relate to what we're going to do as we move this story forward, this Christ child that came, these people that were obedient, what are the lessons that we can learn from them? And so starting with the, the verses seven, verse seven from what um, Marty was sharing with us, we see the wise men talking to Herod who didn't have a clue, not even a clue, a secret that these wise men went to him and were telling him all of the things that they, the revelations that they had straight from God and as Marty said, they decided that they were going to, that Herod decided that he was going to go ahead and use them for his own personal gain. One of the messages that comes to me loud and clear is that they were modeling what it meant to have awkward collaboration. When I walked in to redeem the first time, I, as a matter of fact, Marty didn't mention, but I am on his life group in the mornings on Sunday yeah, mornings best and life <laughs> best life group ever. How many of you agree with me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And it has, it is breathing life into my husband. David, raise your hand. He's not going to do it. He didn't want to do it. I saw that. And it is things that take us out of our comfort zone, right? Um, in our culture, we are taught that independence is success. We are taught that, you know, we need to stand on our own two feet, that we need to be able to step out and do those things that make us successful on our very own. And that gives us the strength and the superiority. And it's really, these guys are teaching us just the opposite. They're letting us know that we need to come together. They came together to study together for what purpose? So that they could learn from each other and build on each other's strengths. And that's what we do every morning when we are in life group. We build on each other's strengths and support each other through our weaknesses. And without that, we can't move into this miraculous place that God would have us to move. I had the most impressive role model when I was growing up, um, my mom. And her name is Dr. Claudia Thomas, and she was a big Lakewood person. She'd be so happy that you were um, pitching Lakewood this morning, Marty. And, but she knew, she was on the city council, and she was the first, one of the first, well, the first African-American mayor in the state of Washington. So she, she's a pretty neat lady. And big shoes to follow. You know, she was a principal as well, and, and that kind of thing. And she knew, because her heart was given over to the Lord many, many years ago, that she couldn't do anything by herself. She ran on the platform of unity in the community, and she knew that nothing of value was going to happen on her own. And I don't think I realized the impact that she had until she died a couple years ago. And 400 people, at least, reached out to me. I started tracking because I just couldn't believe it. 400 people would tell me the impact that she had on lives with their unction, pulling them in to do work. People that you wouldn't think could work together. Working together foundationally on God's unction, right? Some of them didn't even know that's what they were working through, right? But she modeled for us, just as these wise men are modeling for us, that we can't really make significant impact on our own. One of the, the next verses talk about how they went on their way and they followed this star. And I think the next real important message then is I'm gonna step out on faith, right? I'm gonna really walk, and I know what I'm seeing. Nobody can tell me any differently. And they went and they saw this star they had seen in the east that went before them, and they're following it. These are wise men, Marty. These, are, these aren't crazy people, right? And they're following this star, and they knew what they were gonna come to. They knew they were gonna find this savior, this person that was gonna save us from ourselves. And they stopped in this place, 
And I would say then, there's awkwardness to let go then, they are sharing with us. They're following God's lead and there's awkwardness there. Uh, there's awkwardness not to follow our own agendas. I think my agenda is pretty darn good. I'm, I'm you know, trying to do the right thing most of the time. And I have an agenda, and they, but my agenda puts boundaries on me. My, my agenda tells me that I can do this and that's it, that's my comfort zone, that's as far as it goes. It's not walking in to a new church where nobody knows me and talking in front of you, <laughs> right? It's not um, letting people pull me out of a place where I feel comfortable. But that's just the opposite of what these guys modeled. Nobody wants to walk for, I don't know, how many miles? Can you imagine with an entourage of people just to worship and to let people, they didn't know they were letting people know. They thought people knew like they did. But what an impact they had when they got there and then people start to see them drop everything. Drop everything. And I'll say that again, drop everything. And that means I've gotta step out. I've gotta step out of my own comfort zone and do what he is calling me to do. And I don't have the energy to do that on my own because I fall back in bad habits. I like my life. I like going home and sitting and watching my favorite TV show. I don't like going to the CELT meeting at eight o'clock at night, Marty. But I know that's where the real work is happening. I know stepping out of my comfort zone is what's gonna take me to the next place. I know that's where my joy is going to come from when you see lives that are being transformed over and over again. Because you have locked arms with somebody else, with other believers, with other people who have God's heart in them that are seeking God for the right work. And the right work isn't always our work. It's God's work. And we have to be open to what that looks like. And lots of times it's not me talking to people who look just like me, as Marty said, or who act the way I want them to act. I um, am gonna go off script because I can feel the unction of the Holy Spirit, so please bear with me. But there was a story about me. I want you to know why I'm a principal now. And that is, in my second grade year, I had a teacher who hated me. I, I don't, you know, I'm not blasting her for anything, because that's just pure ignorance, right? But she hit me every day, and she called me stupid, and she did things that you wouldn't believe. And I grew up in Lakewood. I was right here in Lakewood. And the impact that happened from that for years, that abuse that she gave me that year, impacted my psyche so deeply that I, I would have believed that I was stupid for the longest time. 
I went to Mann Middle School, which I will say the new school for Mann is going to be named after my mom, Dr. Claudia Thomas. I'm really excited about that. And I met a teacher. She was my choir teacher. And she loved me so much. She thought I was all that and 10 bags of chips. <laughs> and it took her a long time to convince me that that was true, but she did. And it changed my life. It changed my life completely. I got, pat I got called back to Lake Louise to be a speaker at their 50th anniversary because I was successful. I'm a principal in the district, and they're like, oh, come back, you're one of our major alum. I'm like, oh, thank you. And so I'm there, and in walk, as I'm speaking, teachers, you know, from years and years. And she, my second grade teacher, walked in while I was talking. And she was on a walker, but I recognized her immediately. And I could feel the unction of the Holy Spirit ask me to talk to her afterwards. I'm like, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> Golly, what am I going to say? And I, I just walked in obedience and said, hi. And she goes, are you going to tell me that you were one of my students? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, I was. The fact, that she, the fact that she didn't know that was alarming to me, for one thing. Then, because the impact she had on me was so much greater than the impact I had on her, right? That lasted for years. And I, she said, wow, that's great. I said, it is great. I said, you are the reason that I became a teacher. <laughs> and that I'm now a principal, right? I said, your influence on my life did that for me. She walked away with a different interpretation <laughs> of what I was saying, but I can't tell you God's spirit, how it filled my soul to be able to talk to her like that and to be able to have closure for that. And I want you to know that it's only on the backs of other people that have modeled forgiveness, that have talked to me about what we have to do when we're forgiving other people, that when we are following God's unction, we will do things that take us way out of our comfort zone. I'm gonna move us forward, because I promised I would do this in a timely way, and talk a little bit about the next message that I think that we get from our wise men. And the last one, and I think it's really important. Marty really touched on the first part of this one, and it was where the, so the source of our genuine joy begins. See, because we don't know joy, we are lonely, lonely people. When we don't seek God, let him fill our spirits, and then have our strength fortified with one another. We, ju we just don't experience the same kind of joy. That worship that we do in the beginning of our, our uh, service time together,
and that worshiping together and celebrating what it's God's doing, what God is doing in our lives is amazing. But what he does through us collectively is miraculous. So we move from good to miraculous, and that is where our joy begins. It is that collective capacity is where we do this awkward public worship. We don't know how to sing very well, Marty. And um, we, we st okay, I know that was harsh, but gosh. And we don't really have real community. We don't have it anymore. I was telling Marty, I think one of the most challenging things for me as a principal, and at Harrison I had six through 12, at Oak Brook I'm back with the babies, and I think I'm really shocked about the adult stress and the adult things that I am exposed to through the babies that I'm serving at that elementary school. We have pushed our stress onto our kids, and we live this pseudo community, right? Herod, pseudo, right? I wanna go, I, I wanna find him too so I can worship. His way of worship, not quite the same as mine, right? And we try to put on these pretty faces. This is how our kids communicate with one another. They don't talk to each other face to face. They don't really, exp you know, they don't have an opportunity to be who they really are as people. And I would say, it's not just our kids, it's us too. We start, my, my friend, just an example, last night, she and I talked for 10 minutes texting. Bam, bam, these things popping up. And I'm like, why are we not talking voice to voice? Why are we not letting our guard down and just being people with one another? What are we doing? We are not having a genuine worship. We are not allowing ourselves to support each other through real, being who we really are. And so when our kids have to face the fact that they're not as cute or as great as some of the people try to portray themselves on here. They don't leave themselves vulnerable to the realities of their own lives and the sadness that they're dealing with. And somebody saying something to them that has hurt them to the core. And they don't have anyone to talk through it because we wanna look good when we're texting. Somebody might see that. We wanna look good on our social media page to the point that we are having eating disorders and other things that try to make ourselves beautiful by like what we're seeing, this pseudo thing is not really who we are. It's one of the things that I so appreciate about Life Group because we can be who we really are and we can support each other through that. We can say things to each other that lift us up and if we can do that for each other, then we can bind our arms together yes. like the wise men did and do that for other people.
our love for God and God moving through us is where other people will want that same thing. They want to hear the stories of our brokenness that we have overcome. They want to hear the stories that we're real people dealing with real problems and real tragedies and that our families are really wacky, right? That we have a cousin who, hmm, or we ourselves have hurt people over and over again and had to learn valuable lessons through that. And God has lifted us up through that. We can't help other people go through if we're not willing to be vulnerable ourselves. So these guys have moved past awkwardness to share with us what real versus pseudo communities are really about, where we truly are building relationships and we're girding ourselves up for miraculous work. We're setting aside our own agendas for the agenda of a living God. And we're walking together to gird each other up through that. I've got some flaws. David Boyd would probably be able to share quite a few of those with you. And I can't see them as much as people who love me can. And when people who love me can and can share with me how they may have dealt with maybe that same thing, that's where transformation happens. My role in the school is really watching transformation happen for both the students and the adults. And that means their lives are enhanced because our presence is there. Yes, we wanna teach them great things. We want them to teach them how to be learners for the rest of their lives, lifelong learners for meaningful things. But the bottom line is we also want them to know that they have people who love them We want to saturate them with love. That's the secret. I want my staff to saturate them with love first because then they're going to listen and they're going to learn and their lives are going to be transformed. I am so thrilled to have had that experience with that second grade teacher because I don't think I'd be the person I am without having had that. And I want my kids to know that they are imperfect and we all are. And I don't know how many come to me and say, I'm just bad. Don't you get it? I'm one of the bad kids. Yeah, well, you're making some choices that you don't even like, right? (laughs) But there's no such thing as a bad kid. There are things that you are doing. There are choices that you are making that you cannot feel good about. And that's what has you believing the lie that you are a bad person. The message that we are sending to our kids when we don't talk to them anymore is letting them know that we don't care. We can just start there, can't we? We can just start with our own families and saying, electronics, down. Let's talk about real. Let's talk about things that I have overcome when I was your age. Let me tell you the stories that I know right now that are happening, that you can learn from, that maybe if you become wise enough to overcome it, 
that ripple impact will happen to five more kids in your class because you will share that same love with them. I think the wise men were really wise because they knew where their source of strength and empowerment was coming from. I'm telling you that I can move out of my good place to miracles, and I have seen them happen. But I haven't seen them happen usually on my own. It always takes willing participants with me for those miracles to manifest themselves. And it is amazing. So I will say the, the implications from the wise men are these. Number one, we're going to lock arms and we're going to follow God's lead. We are not going to do this thing on our own volition and in our own set of assumptions and expectations. I'd be in big trouble if it was all about me. And we're going to let go of our personal agendas. I like the fact that I have agendas that keep me going where I need to go. But when I'm doing God's work, I don't want my agenda to get in his way. He's going to have me talk to people I don't want to talk to. He's going to put me in uncomfortable places. He called me to be a minister many years ago and to preach the gospel. I was scared to death to get up on in front of people. I'm thinking, you must have the wrong person. There's no way in the world that could be me. But when he calls you to do something, he's going to give you the power to do it. And he's going to give you the words. He's going to give you somebody's heart that is going to be moved for that message at that particular time. And when you watch him move, like the wise men, you just fall to your face in joy because you can see that he picked me to work through. So I'm going to ask that you consider, if you haven't done that, I'm going to be a big advocate for this because the power of being in one of these life groups is absolutely amazing. I look forward to it every week. My husband and I look forward to it every week because we are girding each other up for the hard, hard work that it means to live and to serve. To live and to serve. And so I'm expecting to learn from these wise men that we're going to move from good to miraculous. When you talk about 2020, it was, it was amazing to hear the prayer. We met for prayer right before service today. And the prayer hit every point that I'm talking about in this sermon. Every single one of them. And one of the things that they were talking about are the miracles that are gonna happen in 2020. And I'm looking so forward to it. I can't wait to see what God is going to do. And that's what these wise men were doing. They couldn't wait, knowing what they were seeing. They had to drop, that was real joy worship. That was no playing around. They didn't drop, you know, like in some ritual. They dropped because they couldn't help themselves. And then we're going to move past our comfort zones so that we can experience true joy. It's really not, the comfort zone is not where true joy is. It's stepping out with God's lead 
that brings us to this place of joy that is unspeakable. A joy that you cannot sell on the internet. Right? It is a true place of joy. It means overcoming and watching other people be transformed. And so I know that this child that the wise men were celebrating that day, they were celebrating because they knew the lives that were gonna be transformed. They knew that we had this binding together. The diversity of those wise men is amazing. Bringing people together from all over. And I am looking so forward to locking arms this year in 2020 to work with you, to watch God move, to see what he's gonna do with a collective group of believers. I wanna thank you so much. Marty is coming back up to close us out. I so appreciate you allowing me to be here today. Lisa, thank you so much. And uh, if you'll just stay for one second. Um, I love the word unction. Isn't that amazing? And I, I'm just so blessed. I, f I can feel the unction. And I also can sense it. It is more than even just a feeling. It is a telling. And I love the fact that you would lean into the unction of the Lord. What a joy. We're going to take a few moments now. As the worship team comes up, we're going to have an opportunity to... Um, have prayer with each of you. So what we'd like to do is, is we know that traditionally we move forward into the new year with what we call resolutions. Could we, and, and on, I mean, could we just take a moment and think of those implications for 2020 and see if the Lord will give us unction towards those things before we have our own agenda of what our 2020 should look like, right? So if we could just follow the Lord's leading in that. And then uh, in some of these areas, uh, we'd love to be able to just get to pray with you as we have this uh, amazing worship team leading us. And so, Lisa, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'm going to come down here and pray. If you would pray with people as well. However, the Lord would lead you as a, a people just to come and ask the Lord for those things that you're convinced of that you need his help in going forward in 2020. But we're not going to stay in 2019, right? So let's all stand. Thank you for worship and thank you for this chance to pray. We'll have uh, some of the others who uh, pray with people on the uh, response team if you'd come forward as well. Thank you.